Welcome, everybody, to the IBN College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Actively Lazy, IBS Jesus, Alan, Rodney, whatever you want to call me. And I have with me, of course, my co-host, Marcus Anthony. Um, What's up, bro? Before we start, I will say that um, I have a four-year-old. We just had a a bout, so he might get up and want round two. So if you see my (laughs) camera go off... You don't need to call CPS. He'll be back in the bed in no time. But um, <laughs> I um, we had we had a plan to do two reps. Um, we were gonna do uh, Tuan, and who represents Miami, and we were gonna do Jamal, who has also has like a couple kids, so he wasn't able to get on. Um, so Marcus and I will do this, and and you know, obviously. Uh, you guys are always welcome to to jump in with comments in the comment section. You're always welcome to jump in on the threads. You're always welcome to just tag us in anything. Um, but what I will say is that if you come with this nonsense, like I saw today, where you say that Florida Atlantic is a trap game for the University of Florida, <laughs> I am going to have issues. I am going to have issues. But um, the ACC is not it's not as strong as some of the other conferences. You could say it's pretty top heavy, but there still should be some interesting matchups throughout the season on both the Atlantic division and the coastal division. So we'll start with the Atlantic division. Obviously you can't talk about the Atlantic division without talking about uh, the Clemson Tigers um, who pretty much they're, they're returning enough to get the job done, but there still seems to be some, some reservations about, giving them any kind of clout that they've had over the Trevor Lawrence years. Yeah. Why do you think, why do you think it's like that? You know, I think they came, you know, they're coming off of a blowout loss, right? Against mm-hmm. Ohio state. I think they're replacing arguably one of the better college quarterback ever in Trevor Lawrence. You know, DJ played in two games last year. He looked pretty good playing in those two games. And I think, you know, the assumption is Clemson is not this, reload pro you know not a rebuild program they reload now right just like mm-hmm. everybody else but i think it's just some some uncertainty in the secondary i think they lose they they just didn't look as good on the back end and they didn't really improve they lost a couple transfers um then you got justin ross i think they got the best defensive line in the country i don't know what the reservations really are i think really for me, it would be secondary, and I just think the overall thing is I think people just feel when you look at the other four teams, maybe in front of them, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Bama, everybody else is like, damn, they just not that, you know, when you lose somebody like Trevor Lawrence. But I agree. It's like going into this UGA game, I would say the 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 general consensus amongst the public is Clemson's going to be the dog. Um. So as it stands right now, Clemson is actually favorite three and a half. I don't know if yeah. that's going to change. It, it might be one of those things like right before kickoff or the day of, you're going to see like some of the sharper money backing, uh, backing Georgia. Georgia is, is a funky uh, team. They do get a yeah. lot of public love, but in big games because of their history, uh, it's, it's probably got to be the right number, I think. Um, but I took all this time to learn this man's name. So DJ Weungale. I said yeah. that right. That's right, baby. I, I, just I learned. It. Yeah, I know. I've been calling him DJ too because I couldn't. <laughs> <pronounce his name. laughs> yeah, so DJ Weungale. Um, you know, he's he's super talented, man. Like it's not like this. This is some kid that 
that's taking over. Who's the guy they had? Kelly Bryan, I think was his name. Yeah, so it's Kelly not like Bryan he's that. Yeah, he's, he's not that type of player, man. Like he's he's got clout. Um, he was a highly recruited prospect coming out of high school, multi-sport athlete, um, and just just a physically imposing presence, man. And and the couple of games that he played last year, I think should should matter more, especially playing in a in a tense game like he did against Notre Dame. I feel like people are. are treating this kid like he's this is his first start but in actuality any of the kinks that he would have had he probably already got worked out um and then the familiarity with the offense in general i think should have people a little bit more optimistic uh the strength to me this year for clemson is obviously returning 10 starters from that defense last year i I think um venable's defense is the type of defense that you the more you play it the better you get as a unit. Like keeping that cohesion is very key. Uh, I agree with you. They probably have the best defensive front in the nation. Yeah, um, for sure. I know we we got some some Twitter stuff on uh, Brian Breesy today, uh, moving mountains and and I mean he, he's a big dude, man. They, they're physically he's a big guy. He's a big yeah. dude. They're physically imposing, and I think Miles um, Murphy, Xavier Thomas. Yep. I mean, they've recruited the D line just like you know, Bam, Ohio State, everybody. Yeah. I mean, they just got freaks at defensive end and defensive and he, tacklers. And even um, on the weak side, uh, Skaliski, uh, he's a senior, yeah. a, a linebacker yeah. with a lot of yeah, with a lot of lot of energy, really physical. Um, and honestly, I think that's going to be um, I think that's going to be the change up uh, that a lot of people are not used to seeing. Like Clemson is obviously talented defensively, but I mean, they got some hit stick boomers like they're yeah. a bigger team uh, still with the same level of athleticism that we're used to seeing. So I, I think it's a it's a thing of um, just leaning on that. Um, if we talk about the Georgia game just for a second. I think, um, honestly, the strength of this defense, if they can force turnovers, really make JT Daniels a little uncomfortable. Um, they've got the offensive explosion, uh, even with just five, five. I, I, DJ's a returning <laughs> starter, but, but yeah. like not officially. But anyway, five and a half uh, people coming back on the offense. I think they've got enough to to still make a make a splash. But um, also, I didn't want to count out Travis Entian um, as one of the yeah, people, yeah, obviously, yeah. that they're missing. And then uh, Amari Rogers, who led Clemson in receptions and receiving yards last year. But I feel like Justin Ross is, is a fifth-year senior, but he's only yeah. a junior. <laughs> so it's, it should be fine. Um, but, yeah, like, like we were saying in the beginning, it is strange to see a program like Clemson where they have entered into that echelon where they just reload like an Ohio state, like Alabama, but it's like people just kind of counting them out just a little bit. So, you know, I think one thing we all know about Dabo Sweeney, excuse me, is he's petty. Oh yeah. He plays well to that villain underdog role, right? He's obviously somebody who we take him for granted, but he's obviously reached Twitter He's out in the universe. He's understanding. He's like, oh, we're little old Clemson. Nobody can, you know, we're going against the big, bad UGA. Nobody expects us to win. And I mm-hmm. think that's kind of what has fueled Clemson to become who they are. And I think this year is a year where Dabo has, you're right, you don't have you don't have Trevor Lawrence in your back pocket to rely on in games. You got a, a, a young quarterback in DJ, but he is relatively inexperienced, right? Like, <clears throat> you got to expect going into a game like Georgia as his true first start against a Kirby Smart defense is, 
Yeah. I mean, it's going to be challenging now, but if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Dabo, it's going to be the Clemson staff and DJ. So, and I mean, they're going to have Will Shipley, Justin Ross. I mean, they're talented, right? They have yeah. equally as much talent. And I think that's really going to play into Dabo's, you know, Clemson versus the world, underdog, annoying, whiny guy mentality that he really, really, you know, he plays that Southern Baptist, you know, good old guy card so well. Yeah. But that's really what has made the program into what it is, you know. And I think now it's the expectation for Clemson now is not just college football playoff contender. It's national title contender. Yeah, the expectation for them to be in the top four, in the running for that, anything short of that now is kind of, you know, surprising. But I, I don't know. I just think the public is kind of waiting and see what DJ and what this offense is going to look like post Trevor Lawrence. You know what it kind of reminds me of when, when Ohio State was, you know, when you end the era like Trevor Lawrence was a big era. You know, yeah. when you end a big era like that in college football and you replace somebody, everybody was. You get that cooling off period to where everybody's trying to figure out, like, all right, what's this going to look like? So yeah. it, it don't start easy for sure because they, they open September 4th with Georgia. Uh, and then they get, uh, I would consider it a two-week break with South Carolina State and Georgia Tech. <laughs> but if you look at the schedule, it could present some problems. Uh, they're at North Carolina State on uh, the 25th. Um, and then they host Boston College. And then they get what I think is probably the trickiest uh, section of their schedule, back-to-back -to -back road games. It's not really Syracuse, even though Syracuse somehow, some way has given them fits over the years in Syracuse. It's really that, that Pittsburgh game that I think really, <laughs> yeah, really um, just because of like Pittsburgh at home being comfortable, just their style of play. Uh, it, it could make it just a tad bit ugly uh, for um, the Clemson Tigers, but Again, they're going to get baptized by fire really early on September 4th. And, and I, I would love to see uh, what DJ has to bring to the table because he's definitely filling some big shoes. Now, I hate to look forward to like the SEC, but I was thinking, who benefits the most from losing this game? If UGA loses to Clemson, I don't see a path where they make it to the playoffs. But if Clemson loses to UGA, I see a path where they make it to the playoffs. So yeah. it's like I was just already thinking, like, that's something that's uh, – it's going to be interesting. The loser of this game is going to be in a really interesting position to see how it plays out because now everybody kind of started even. And if you're one step behind that and just not to jump ahead, but looking at everybody else's schedule, it's like, man, Ohio State might not slip. <laughs> and then – Oklahoma might not slip one. You know, it's going to be a year where I think it's going to be interesting to see really the fifth team and the sixteen man, and how the loser of that game is really going to respond. I'm under the impression that if Clemson has just one loss, they'll always find a way in. Yeah. Um, but if it's if it's two losses, like a two loss Clemson isn't going to um, overstep a one loss Georgia. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think it the. The politics that is college football that we yeah. know, um, they're not gonna they're not gonna allow that. Um, but it'll just start another argument because we know Dabo is definitely gonna whine about that. Like he's he's probably one yeah. of the few coaches I know um without a shadow of a doubt, he would whine if his team didn't get but, preferential but I treatment. Think, I, well, I shouldn't say this is his fault, but that's a schedule where they're facing 
one ACC team that had a winning record last year. Mm-hmm. It's not Dabo's fault that everybody isn't good, but it's like, man, like if you're going to say Oklahoma, Ohio State, everybody else, if you're going to try to measure your resume, you're going to be as outspoken as that. It's like, man, you got to look inward first. Like it's not like you're beating a bunch of, you know, elite caliber teams in the ACC. I think they get some solid competition. I'm not going to discount, you know, what BC, NC State, and everybody else is, but mm-hmm. I, I can't see a position to where it's like, like you said, that almost, that does benefit you. And it's like college football is a game of attrition, man. Like I would rather be a 12 and one ACC champion making it to the college football playoff than to be an 11 and one SEC East champion. Then you got to go through Bama. That's, Bama you, yeah. you know, yeah, it's like, Clemson, I think, like you said, they lose the game. I think they'll be all right. Yeah, I, I think, I think that's kind of what they were banking on too. Just because, again, it's a resume booster, win or lose. Yeah. It's, it's a name. It's a prominent name in college football, so it's not going to hurt you too, too much. Um, especially if you're Clemson, because the rest of your schedule, you can kind of navigate that. Um, but sticking to the Atlantic Division, um, when you look at the rest of these teams, North Carolina State, Boston College, Florida mm-hmm. State, Louisville, Wake Forest, Syracuse. You don't expect them to actually overtake Clemson uh, in this division. But as I mentioned, there are some situations where a couple of these teams, mainly the NC State team, could pose a problem uh, to to an undefeated record or to a direct path of um, uncontested Atlantic division champion. I'm not the only one that's kind of optimistic on North (laughs) Carolina State, uh, which makes me worried about North Carolina State. uh, But you know, there's always there's always some preseason hype on on a on a darling per se, yeah. um, and I think this year it's North Carolina State. Even though the Tar Heels are getting some of the the more prominent attention from betters and and message boards and just people in general who are looking at this division, it seems like NC State is the quote unquote sleeper. Do you buy into that? I mean, what's Devin Leary going to be, right? What's the quarterback going to be? Like, I know a lot of people are buying into the hype. They returned with 19 starters from a team that went 7-3 and three last year. So, and the schedule, though, they get they got to host Clemson, and they got Miami and North Carolina, right? Like, I think they're going to be a better team. And coming off a year like they, they had last year, and Dave Dorn's a solid coach, but – Man, if you're going to be in these type of games, they're going to have to score points. And NC State, I think, but they average like 28.4 points a game or something. It's like that's not enough points, right? Mm-hmm. And if Devin Leary can be a solid quarterback, possibly. I mean, they got Bam Knight. He's nice. He's a running back, and he's going to be an all-ACC caliber player. Bay, uh, Peyton Wilson, solid mm-hmm. player as well. But I like BC. I, I just think that Jeff Halfley is starting for me number two in the Atlantic. Jeff Halfley starting to make a name for himself. I was a little concerned because when he left Ohio State as the defensive coordinator, I'm like, damn, man, you leave a really, really good position. And if you wait two to three more years, you could possibly, you know, move up the coaching ranks and really put yourself in a position to where you don't got to go to Boston, <laughs> Massachusetts, and try to recruit to an area that's not really fertile. BC has had some history. But, you know, lately they just haven't been winning as much. But after last year, I mean, they had, what, they went five and five. They're bringing back nine starters on the offense, I think, eight on defense. And Phil Jerkovich, if I don't know if anybody's seen him, but he's nice, man. Like, he was a former Notre Dame commit. 
ended up leaving Notre Dame, transferring, going to BC, and he's going to have a chance to really be like a top three-round pick, like a big dude, like 6'5". He got a little juice to him. He kind of reminds me of Carson Wentz. So they don't get Miami. They don't get North Carolina, and they host North Carolina State. I'm like, they got Jalen Gills, another former Ohio State uh, commit, who for five-star recruit, one of the better players in, I think it was the 2018 class. Then they got Zay Flowers as well. I like mm-hmm. them better over NC State because when all things are equal, before I even look at coaching, I go to quarterback. All right, what's the quarterback? <laughs> like, like, if you got that position squared away, I'm going to automatically give you the advantage over, you know, when it's in a position where teams are really, really tight and they look really similar on paper. Because I think you could kind of make an argument for NC State, BC, and Wake Forest kind of to be like 2A, 2B, and 2C. You know what I mean? Like, if the dice mm-hmm. fall right for either one of those teams – like you said, it could be NC State. Like maybe they could knock a Clemson off at. Like we've seen it, right? Like yeah, one of those Thursday night or like Saturday evening games where Clemson's just not on their game. NC State comes out, gets a couple good plays, couple turnovers or something. But for me, I like BC over NC State. But if Devin Leary can get it, man, I think maybe they they do have a really experienced team and they could could be one of the better teams in the ACC. But um, and it's NC State. I don't know. I just yeah, Something about I, the name, I'm like, eh, nah, nah. I'm not actually, trust him. I actually like that you combine them because, uh, honestly, in my mind, that's how he plays out, too. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really like either or. Um, yeah, it's like. I'm, I'm higher on Boston College, personally, because um, I like what I saw from the coach last year. Um, I remember yeah. in our preview last year, I mentioned, like, oh, he's a Ohio State guy. I didn't know that. And I and I did give him a, a, a hard look because um, I remember the Boston College of old Run first, yeah. run first. Um, and it's one of the more interesting stats that I saw um, when I was looking at the teams. So Boston College had a 68 to 32 run pass ratio in 2019. After hiring Halfley last year, the Eagles threw 55.7% of the time. <laughs> so the, he literally like, came in and was like, hey, yeah, we, yeah we, look. we switching this up immediately. Um <laughs> I, I do like Jerkovic or Jerkovic, Jerkovic or whatever, how you say his name, but the, the transfer, I like him. Um, he's more athletic than I think people give him yeah, credit he's for. Yeah, he's got a little, he's got a little, yeah. he got a little, I don't um, want to compare him to Josh Allen, but you know, yeah, he's got a yeah, very yeah, similar no, he body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got a very similar body structure and like he plays very, you know, very similar to that. Um, I love Zay Flowers, but the biggest thing that I like about Boston College and it gives me um, more of an inclination to take them over um, over NC State is that they're returning their offensive line and all those guys are pretty much seniors, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that, that means a lot uh, when we talk yeah. about college, college football. So um, the thing I think it'll come down to to Boston College and what it's always come down to for Boston College and North Carolina State, ironically, is how well are they going to play on the road? These are two teams yeah, that are yep. notoriously like guns <laughs> on the road. On but the when road you ca- horrible, yeah, but bro. if you catch them at home, man, you, you, you catch hell. So it's one of those things where it's like you just kind of look at the schedules. And I'm looking at Boston College schedule. I'm like, all right, they're at UMass, they're at Temple, they're at Louisville, yeah. they're at Clemson, they're at Georgia Tech, Syracuse. Like, those are pretty winnable road games for the most part, except for that Clemson game, obviously. And then you and look at North actually, Carolina. They fought Clemson, though. They gave Clemson a good – like, they it kind of got to – you know, like Clemson always does. Like, mm-hmm. 
when Boston College throws their best couple, two to three best punches at you, mm-hmm. and Clemson's still standing tall, it's like, damn, we done ran out of, you know, we done ran out, we done ran out of ammo now. And it's like Clemson takes over. But I think maybe the experienced team kind of I think Jeff Halfley might call the game and pace the game a little differently. You know, they're very experienced. And it's like, I like them. Like you say, I think the thing for me that I struggle with, I don't know about you. It's like, when I look at it on paper, I'm like, does brand name matter to you? Because when I see Boston College, I'm like, damn, I just trust them more than Wake Forest and NC State. And I don't even know why that is. It's just like, they're kind of all three the same teams. But I'm like, if I see a line and I even I can watch them play and see stuff, I'm like, nah, I Y'all gonna earn my trust, man. I, I I just don't see it. The the thing that that um stands stands out to me, you know, if, if I gotta do a tiebreaker, is like after watching Halfley call games last year, he's not afraid to take chances. Yeah, man. yeah, he's he, and, he, he and his and, and his kids are on board with that. Like there yeah. was some there was some pretty like I think it was the North Carolina game last year where he just kept going for it on fourth down. But you could tell like the kids wanted that. Like they want to yeah, compete. Yeah. They want to win. They feed like, they're, yeah, yeah, they're not afraid of that. And I think when you have a young coach with a team that he's in sync with, that makes them more potent than say um a, a Wolfpack team or a Wake Forest team that, that has more of a brand when it yeah. comes to football. Um NC State's road games are going to be tough. They're at Boston College on October 16th, and then the next week they're at Miami. Like, those back-to-back games, they're going to lose one of those for sure. You're going to go from Boston. It's going to be 41 degrees, overcast, light precipitation. Go back home, then fly all the way to South Beach to play in Miami, and it's going to be 81 degrees. Man, that's a tough stretch. That's a tough two-game stretch. Yeah, and then at – on no, November 6th, they're at Florida State, which could go either way, I think. Um, but the kicker to me is at um, Wake Forest on November 13th. Historically speaking, um, my cousin played at Wake Forest, and, and so I've, I've been keeping tabs on them since, like, 2000. Um, when the Carolina teams come to Wake Forest to play football, those games are tough on those teams for some reason. Um, so – you, Sleepy you, Stadium, man. Yeah, you get these, you get these back-to-back conference games on the road. They can get tricky, and then uh, you could argue that one of those uh, games is a is a rivalry game at Wake Forest. They'll be pumped for that, and, and Wake has some talent. They're not gonna, they're not gonna shock the world per se. But you can't just come into Wake Forest and take them lightly if you're an NC State. All right, um, so. Look out for those two teams over in the uh, Atlantic Division to see who kind of has next. Um, I mean, I could talk about my Florida State Seminoles. They're a young team. Um, who Man, rest in peace, Bobby Bowden. Yeah. So, like, I, we, we don't have to get into how bad, how bad the Seminoles are now. But yeah, but man, yeah. I miss you, Bobby. Era, man. And, like, <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. Because I was thinking about and I was reading about Florida State like last week, and I was like, Damn, man, I know my boy Mickey Andrews somewhere shaking his head because Florida State gave up 36 points per game last year. And I was yeah. like, like growing up, I just remember those Florida State defenses of just Mickey Andrews, cover one, sitting in the crib. They had cover yeah. corners. You just had mad athlete. It was just a wild era because I never thought that in a state like Florida, Florida State would look so behind from an athletic point of view. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Miami at least always still had good athletes. They could never put it together. But when I watch Florida State, I'm just like, man, and watch like when, you know, they, when I saw Bobby Biden that pass and I watched like a 15 minute just 
Florida State clip from like 90 to like 2002. And I was like, wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah. To and, see what the program is now. And when you look at look at Bobby Bowden and you look at the staffs he had and, and the continuity he had, it's Mark Rick. Yeah. It's it's tough. Yeah. It's tough yeah. to um it's tough to be a fan in today's game when you have so much turnover over the yeah, last like five, six years, basically since Jimbo left. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, as a fan, you can't even be mad because th- there is a level of expectations for the program. I mean, Bobby set that, um, yeah. and, you know, if you, if people go back and look at the history, I mean, this man literally formed this program, like with his bare hands, like Florida state was not, a prominent uh, football team until he got there and, and worked. And he worked through some fire. If you look at his uh, early early years, yeah, they were bad. They were, no, they were yeah. <laughs> he did. He did not take the easy road there. And um, it's unfortunate he never had a goddamn field goal kicker because uh, <laughs> he probably would have uh, even more championships. Why but, left? Why right? Yeah, yeah. He, but I will give Norville some credit as a recruiter. It seems like he's got a he's, he's got a plan in mind. Um, all I ask as a fan and all I ever asked was that we have a direction. And that's what pissed me off the most about Taggart is it seemed like he had a direction that he wanted to go in. Even if it's in the wrong direction, at least have a plan and, and follow through with that or try to implement it. Um, yep. He didn't seem like he had a plan. And, and that's what ultimately just drove me crazy about him. But Florida State at the end of the year, because they're young, typically the teams at the end of the year play spoiler um, it'll be interesting to see if they can maybe hinder somebody like North Carolina State, but I'm not looking for them to to be throwing wrenches in. Like I think Florida play. State on a on one of those days, I think they could play with a wake. I mean, this is probably the yeah. worst I've seen the Florida State team in a while, but I just think this is Norville kind of getting it back on track, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he's bringing in Travis Hunter. He's bringing in fast. I mean, this is he's going to bring in a top 15 class probably for Florida State, and that's the best yeah. they've done in probably in the last four years, right? Like, I, I yeah, forgot since, to check the recruiting. Since, like, Jimbo left. Yeah, right. since Jimbo. So it's like yeah. the more guys you can get in the building, the better chance you have of success. And it's like if they give him the time, I do think – I think he could at least get back to where – like where Diaz is getting Miami back, right? And Miami was what they finished number nine last year. They were nine and one, and I think people had just never thought like, "Damn, we kind of took it for granted." Like Miami hadn't been that good in almost a damn decade, right? Like when was the last time we talked about? Well, we will talk about you know Miami and being in that national conversation, considering you know what they were from Mark Rick and the Al Golden, and you know just all those bad Randy Shane, all just bad, best bad coaching and everything. So. Florida State, man, Norville, I think. But Mackenzie Milton, I forgot about that. Yeah, Mackenzie he's Milton's before that. I'm not, I'm I didn't see him listed as the starter on my sheet, but I also haven't checked. But um I'm I'm assuming he's got a shot, obviously. Like he's he's got some pedigree um from Central Florida. Like he wasn't no slouch there. It's just he got hurt. So yeah. um, it, it'd be uh interesting to see. And I know if if I know Norville. And I know, like, you know, how his offense runs. He's probably going to want McKenzie at the helm for sure if he yeah. can make it work. Um, Louisville. Got anything on uh, Louisville, man? Look, I want to I wanna be optimistic about him. They've got so Malik much. Malik Cunningham's all right. He's all right. They got so much athletic talent that it's like it's hard for me to, to just think that they're not going to make some noise, but they just cannot be consistent. Tutu Atwell left. But Malik Cunningham is 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 a good player. I think he's a oh he's a, he reminds me of um, Perkins. Remember from UVA like two years ago, like yeah. to where he's 
you know, he's nifty in the pocket. He He's going to get out on the edge as an option-based offense. But, I mean, Scott Satterfield's all right. Coach, they went, what, four and seven last year? I, I don't really – I think they could be a bowl-caliber team. I could see them winning six games. Like, looking at their schedule, I think they lose the old Miss. I'm just going to count their wins. Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. Louisville and Virginia's a push. But I'll, I'll edge with UVA maybe. Like, I don't know. The schedule's Duke. I think they beat Duke. Syracuse is a push. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Looking at just going in that schedule and thinking, of like, man, what games would they be favored? What games would they be dogs? And what games would they realistically have a shot at winning? And I'm like, oh, Miss is going to smack them. I think UCF beats them. UCF? Yeah, I okay, think UCF yeah, I, could be. I was could be for some reason I was I was hearing USF and I was like, no, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. but now UCF, UCF <laughs> might might have a shot. It, it depends on if their defense shows up a little bit because that's going to yeah. probably be a, a real shootout. Um, yeah, Louisville yeah. was top was top twenty, um, actually ranked seventeenth in explosive plays. Um, and I and I went on a rant about that this morning with um with Patrick, I think, but. I think that's a new uh, offensive metric to mm-hmm. measure uh, success by in today's game of uh, college football. Explosive plays. Can, can, plays. Yeah. can yeah. you get the chunk plays? Because possessions are going to be there. Everybody's going to get the ball. Like yeah, with the way the, the tempo is running now, you're going to get the ball. But can you get like the explosive plays? Um, and they had it last year. Uh, unfortunately, their defense gave up just as many. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um. Offensively, with uh, Malik Cunningham coming coming back, um, the entire offensive line is coming back. He's he's just got to work with um, a um, a new set of receivers um, and then a new running back. Obviously, they're going to miss Hawkins, who was who was really big for them offensively. But again, like, which, he was nice. I forgot. Yeah, and, I will. yeah, and I was going to say, um, you know, again, this team doesn't lack athleticism. Uh, it's just execution, and uh, I mean, they were intercepted 12 times or lost 12 fumbles uh, across 132 possessions last year. Like that again, it's it's just execution. Like I don't care how good your offense is, if you're giving <laughs> the ball away, you ain't gonna be uh, winning many games. Um, they gained 10 yards or more on 80 of their 420 rushing yards, uh, which ranked fourth. Uh, it was actually an average of 19 percent of their runs, they gained 10 yards or more on, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, so, incredible. so again, offensively, this team will be a problem, but they have to protect the ball yeah, in, in order to get themselves a chance because they're returning five starters from their defense last year and their defense wasn't good last year. So um, we'll see how they do. Um, Let's see. I do want to say this. Go ahead. What's up with our boy Dino, man? Like, I mean, he, we went from I kept this up. I kept this up just because I knew you was gonna start something, y'all. Look, I'm not here to talk about Dino, man. I was I was hype, I was hype about Dino. I um Me I too. Will admit, I will admit, I was even at one point I was saying, like, you know, Dino needs to get get like other bigger jobs. Yeah, I don't know, man. He he had a couple pass rushers. He, he had yeah. a little something working on offense, and then it just his like, first year. Remember, they went to the bowl. It yeah. was kind of hot, and we was gassing them then because yeah, you know, he, he had came out. from the neck. We was both like, damn, man, you know, man, <laughs> we about to do this, man. And then I was just thinking today, I was like, 
damn, Syracuse is going to be really, really, really bad. Oh. And he's he's going to be oh. in the hot seat here in a year or two. I'm going to um I'm gonna start a rumor that he was trying to buy NBC. They <laughs> sabotage with my man Dino. <laughs> I was like, dang. Pro- protect our black coaches, man. Um, Coastal Division. Coastal Division. You can't talk Coastal Division without Miami and North Carolina. Are we going to see a battle this year? between these two teams or are we going to see what we we usually see where Miami does what Miami does and North Carolina just kind of flails off in the wind towards the end of the season? You know, I want you to – I don't know if you can hear this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Listen, you know what that means, return of the match. I I must admit – I got to admit, it's hard for me to admit when I'm wrong, but I, I got to eat pro because I really thought Mac Brown was in over his head. I got like, to. Entering this era of college football, and I was really, really wrong. I think the time off he had at ESPN, you know, he was going from campus to campus. He was going to BAM, Ohio State. He was App State. He was seeing a lot of innovative offenses, meeting a lot of different personalities, and I think that allowed him to sit back and tweak his coaching philosophies, right? Like, you see Mac now – Mac got the suit with the Jordan ones, the Dio yeah. Jordan ones, you know, and it's like Mac is smart now. He's looking at it like, you know, I got a real good opportunity with NIL, the Jordan brand. You know, they he got the battery in his back, and he's winning games, right? You got the best player in the ACC right now, Sam Howard. They averaged forty-one point seven points per game last year. It was like, insane for, they, they, for I mean, the tempo, Mac Brown but, offense, right? For a Mac Brown yeah. offense, so it was like. Man, and, and they got good really fast too. I mean, you think mm-hmm. about Max only been there. This is what year three, three or four, three or four. And I mean, they lose a top two running backs, they lose a top two wide receivers. But Max is bringing in top ten classes now. You know, he's bringing North Carolina back to. I know, I remember my teen years when I was in high school, and it's like, man, they went from you know seeing Julius Peppers, Ronald Curry, Dre Bly. I mean, they sent so many guys to the pros, and it was a solid program, right? They weren't maybe weren't the best, but. I think now it's like with no Clemson and they get Miami at home. You got Sam Howell. They got Tom and Fox, who's nice, who's going to be an all ACC caliber defensive player. And what's this? Um, what's the wide receiver? Bo Corrales. Corals or Corrales? So, Corrales. I mean, UCC could Corrales. So it's like, I think UNC is by far the team to beat. But I mean, listen. I love Mac, but Mac got a tendency to trick some things off sometimes. But I, I think this is, situation is so good for him to where he has a lot of experience with expectation and pressure, right? He had it at Texas. He had some success at North Carolina. So I think this time around, it's like, all right, Mac, this is this is really his first opportunity to be back on the spotlight, right? To be back in I, – because I, I would still consider Mac Brown a top 10 coach in college football right now. Like, when I really look at the coaches, I'm like, I, I, I got to put a little respect on Max's name for what he's shown me as him. I don't know if he could be a program sustainer, but he can damn sure build a program, right? Like, we've seen mm-hmm. he's a quick fix. That's, I think that's who he is. So I, I really like his mix of assistance. And, and like you said, like, just bringing the whole – like, UNC is a cool brand. Like, everybody just loves Carolina Blue. It's, it's just – He's playing that, so it's, they're recruiting really well, and they're in a great position, man, because they're killing Virginia. I mean, if people keep up recruiting, I mean, a lot of other schools are really coming into Virginia getting a lot of talent, but if you look at the 757-804-434, you see 
committed. North Carolina committed. North Carolina. So they I think they. Boy. Yeah. Listen, Henderson. Henderson was, yeah, was, I know. It's pretty close. <laughs> it's close. So it's like you know, it's like man, Mac Brown has really put some juice into UNC, and it's good because. He gonna be better than Hubert Davis, but that's who another day. I I, I ain't gonna. Go Carolina <laughs> about to be a football school. Uh, offensive efficiency, North Carolina ranked tenth overall last year. Uh, explosiveness ranked third. Finishing drives ranked fifth. Uh, just some key numbers on just how good this offense was last year. So you know, Marcus isn't exaggerating. Of the 840 offensive snaps, North Carolina offense took in 2020, 30 percent gained 10 yards or more. That was the most in the country. Um, North Carolina had 109 rushes of 10 yards or more out of 492 attempts. That's an average of 22% of their rushes with 10 yards or more that led the nation. And then the most key stat here, the Tar Heels scored 66 of their offensive touchdowns in 152 drives last season, meaning that they scored on 43% of his possessions, not just scored, but got <laughs> touchdowns. On 43% of their possessions, only five college football teams in the FB, FBS were better, and not one of them were in the ACC. So we're talking about an offense that essentially is a top five offense in the nation. They're returning yeah. eight starters on their defense. Of the eight starters that they're returning – Let's see, they got one, two, three, four, five of them will be seniors. Uh, and all and they've got a senior at every level, so that's gonna be key too. They got an inside linebacker, outside linebacker, senior combination. Actually, all three of the linebackers are seniors. Yeah. Uh, their nose tackle is a senior, and their free safety is a senior. Uh, the other returning starters are juniors, so they don't have a freshman on their uh defense right now. They don't have a freshman in their starting offense right now. So you could argue that this is going to be boom or bust for this for this program if they come out and they play really well and they're successful and House has a great uh, a great swan song of a season. You're looking at probably this being a program defining year for North Carolina, like you said. Yeah. Nil is back. They got a brand Jordan. Everybody looks at North Carolina and they think Jordan. You're gonna get Jordans. You're gonna get that that publicity. Yeah. Um, they could be a, a sleeper team to, to, you know, kind of push their way uh, more onto the national scene. And like you said, they've already infiltrated Virginia as a pipeline, and they're taking some of the better, the better prospects. Whatever Clemson and Ohio State and um, Alabama or Michigan or Florida, I, I don't think Alabama actually comes. If you there, think Florida, whatever they don't take, North Carolina is definitely taking. Clemson versus North Carolina, it'll be a neutral field in Charlotte. What do you what line would be favorable for you to take North Carolina? Um you think it would have to be something like six and a half? Yeah, give me give me at least a touchdown. Um if you give me at least a touchdown, I'm I'm probably gonna take the Tar Heels yeah, to cover. Um and and it's it's just gonna be one of those things where it's probably gonna end up being a shootout. You you're not yeah. gonna hold this team down long, and I and I get that I was, you know, very high on uh, Clemson's defense, and that's great. But this is an explosive offense. Good offense, and, and Clemson, defense, yeah. And, and Venables is definitely vulnerable to big plays, and Ryan Day exposed that already, which we kind of already knew anyway. But um, 
these types of offenses will always find a way to score. Like that's that yeah. goes without saying. So, you know, thinking that they would um, cover something o- over a touchdown would be kind of interesting. The big thing last year too that kind of sets this North Carolina team up this year is that they beat the shit out of Miami last year. <laughs> yeah, they did. 62 they did. to 26, and they 26. did that in Miami. You know, yeah. I was, like, I was hyped for that game. I was like, this, this is Yeah, crazy. like, so So you got to think being in the same division, um, no matter what Miami is bringing to the table this year, that North Carolina is going to have the utmost confidence, um, and they will be playing them on October 16th, and they'll be playing them at home where they probably average almost 45 a game rather than 41. So um, it's it's one of those things where I think they're in the best position to really make some noise. Their toughest road games will be Notre Dame, which is supposedly in a um, kind of a slightly off year, and then on the 11th uh, at Pittsburgh. But that's it. Like they open at Virginia Tech. I don't have any issues with thinking that they wouldn't have any like that. They, they should make light work of Virginia Tech this year. Yep. So, um, I guess we we have to talk about the U now since we just hyped up North Carolina. <laughs> um, For sure. And, and I'll start because Derek King disappointed me a little bit last year, and I know you made a, a valid and passionate argument that I think we were being somewhat um, spoiled. Like the the guy didn't play that bad, um, but. I don't know. Maybe my expectations were higher. I also remember Derek King from his Houston days. So I just, I just got a little disappointed. Yeah, it, was, it was a little different. It was yeah. Different, yeah. And, and it was one of those things where I just felt like, I don't know if he's listening to people outside, um, but you know, play your game, bro. Like just play your game. Let it come to you. If you need to run, run. If you need to pass, pass, but don't, predetermined like nah this play I done ran three times so I got a pass like nah like what the hell you doing like you make it easy for opposing defenses and and coaches to scheme against you if they know they can get in your head like just do your thing and the talent is there uh he threw for 2,686 yards and 23 touchdowns and ran for 538 yards and and if you look at the offense that they had last year he was pretty much the key weapon his best offensive weapon last year was his tight end. So, um, but he's they're returning eleven people on offense, yep. nine people on defense. They're literally returning twenty people from a nine-win team last year that went to a bowl game and, and lost by three. Yeah, they were they nine went, and one. Number yeah, yeah. that's a top ten team. So, so I, I mean, I need to see something. Uh, Offensively, even though they do have somebody like Derrick King, they're not the most explosive team, but that might change. Um, one other keynote that I have here that I um, put in the chat and that I'm confused with, I don't know why Manny Diaz is taking on the defense and he can't really head coach. That doesn't seem like a winning <laughs> formula to me. But what are your thoughts on uh, Miami? You know, my assumption is Derrick King, first of all, is going to be 100% entering the season. I think, like, just seeing – Miami Twitter, you know, just being on the message board, seeing what's up with him and what his because you know, when you're going into a season and you're trying to get futures, the national media doesn't really give you always what you need. You know, I, I go on Twitter, I follow like Miami beat writers, and I mean, homie with the Florida Panthers on the NIL deals, and you know, he in practice mm-hmm. doing his little deed. I was like, okay, he looks like he's 100%. So 
I mean, you guys have been trying to talk me off this ledge, but y'all know I've been feeling real nasty about that plus 17 they're getting against Alabama week one. And I I know Alabama is a giant, and I'm probably off my meds and off my rocker right now, but mm-hmm. them breaking in a brand-new quarterback in Bryce Young. I think even though they're the defending champions, if there's going to be a chance to ever beat them. <laughs> <laughs> I put, got to put that thing out there. <laughs> I will say this, but no, I mean, I think that if there's ever a perfect scenario to where a team like Miami can beat in Alabama or at least cover the plus 17, it's got to be this, right? This is the best team Manny Diaz has had since he's been in Miami. He has a veteran signal caller. You're going to be facing a program who, while, yes, they are Alabama, and I get it, they don't rebuild. They just reload. It's plug and play. Let's keep it going. But from that plus 17 number, I live in a world where I'm like, maybe Bama's still trying to figure it out week one, and it's a 42 to 30 game or something. You know what I mean? It's like I I could see that happening to where they cover the plus 17. So – I think from top to bottom, it's the second best roster in the ACC. But like you said, something about Manny Diaz is – I don't know if chemistry is the right word, but when you see something on TV and I'm like, damn, Miami should be better, man. Like, you know, it's like – I don't know what it is about Manny Diaz teams. About, and I don't want to say it's like they lack chemistry or he's not a good coach. Well, I agree with you that, man, it's hard for defensive coaches. You see a lot of offensive coaches do that too, and it's like yeah. – Oh man, I give I give the reins back to the DC, and, and as soon as something gets bad, they're like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna take it back again." And it's like, well, you gotta manage your management duties too, because like we seen with Justin Malzahn, a lot of coaches like they suck. They're good strategists, but in mm-hmm. game when the pressure's on, Manny Diaz look real funny in the light sometimes. Man, he, he does some things to don't. where it'll be fourth and one on his on the opponent's twenty eight, and he'll kick a fit. You know what it's like? Yeah. Come on, man. Like, he he plays not to lose. Yeah, he plays not um, to that, lose. That, yeah, that's sure. that's how I feel about his play calling, and and I know sometimes people look at shows like this or listen to people say things like that, and they're like, "What, what, what up, man? Like, what are you doing? Like, well, I'm just saying. If, if, <laughs> I can tell you right now, if it's fourth and one, and I'm on my 28, and I got I'm going for it, man, and I got a, a dynamic quarterback like De'Aaron King, like, what do you mean? What am I doing? Like, a, a running quarterback. Adds an extra dynamic to any. It's put okay, so much sure. pressure on a defense. Like people need to stop underestimating just that one attribute. Like just the threat of having him to run it's can hard. can it's buy hard. you a, a good second, depending on what, what kind of set you come out in and what play you you design. You literally get a second, and we're talking about a yard. A second is all you need, you know. <laughs> so like you can come up with something. I'm not. I'm not asking you to, to to convert a fourth and seven. Like, we're talking fourth and one. Like, you know, I try not to do a lot of cursing, but stop being a bitch. <laughs> it's just <laughs> that simple. Like, you're at the yeah, U. And, and it's like, it's like the in the games that he's done that in, they've still I'm went on to lose. Yeah, so at, at some point, at some point, you got to just, you got to just so figure it out. They could lose to Bama. They lose to Bama. The rest of their schedule is App State is going to be a – I don't know. App State and Michigan State. Well, they'll beat Michigan State. I don't think Michigan State's going to be They there, get three – they get, what, four home games? At, yeah, four games consecutively. <laughs> App State, Central Connecticut, UVA. Then they got a bye between that North Carolina game, so they have to win that game because mm-hmm. if they win this game, maybe they're a dark horse candidate for the college football playoff, right? Like this could be – 
may be a season-defining moment for Miami, right? Like, it may be Miami. Yeah, oh, it would be an upset home. for sure. Yeah, for uh, sure. I, I find it entertaining that the the um, the I'm sorry you got Alabama first was that you get four straight home games. Um, <laughs> I, will, I will disagree with them even potentially uh, covering the number for the simple fact that if they don't create more explosive plays – you're not going to plod your way to a cover against yep. uh, against Alabama. I don't give a damn who you are. Uh, like the teams who've given Bama fits over the years have been those yeah. explosive type yeah, teams. Yeah, yeah. Now they've got the quarterback to to do that, um, but the offensive system that they've been running uh, hasn't been necessarily there to to really get that done. But Tuan, don't let me down, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, listen, man. I know he's gonna, he gonna look you. at this and fire back. He's gonna look and fire back. <laughs> With that turnover chain. With that turnover chain at man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until we get closer to that week before look, I, I got my that. orange and green on too. What's oh up, Twan? I'm riding with the you, man. But um I'm take it, man. but they, they definitely are set up to where they could if they can just again be consistent because you got two road games that are going to be tough at North Carolina and at Pittsburgh. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you need to win going into um, October 30th at Pittsburgh after you just played NC State and played North Carolina. Yeah, you know? that's, a, that's a decent three-game stretch for the ACC to where, like you said, this could be potentially three top 25 teams. I think Pitt could be a top 25 team. NC State could be. And we obviously know what North Carolina is. So Miami schedule might be a little trickier than I thought. But also, if they're as good as we think they are, they should be beating Pitt. And yeah, State. they should be. Um, I just keep putting disclaimers on Pitt because I'm optimistic. <laughs> I'm get, get, some, get some good numbers so I can, I can pick them to cover. But uh, let's see. I, I guess it's going to be sneaky. It is yeah, we can talk sneaky. about Pitt. We can talk about the Panthers. They're going to be kind of sneaky. Narduzzi. Narduzzi, um, you know, is one of they're one of those teams that defensively, man. If you if you like elite, yeah, yeah. If you like a good defense, if you just like to watch a, a team lay the boom and just don't care about the score, they just out there to hit somebody. Michigan like, State of the ACC now. That's yeah, why basically, I said, yeah. That's Pitt, exactly Pitt, Pitt is your squad. Um, one of the things I like about this team though is that um, they are a team that if you turn the ball over, they make you pay with yeah. some kind of points. They, I saw that a lot last year. Obviously, they didn't score enough touchdowns, but they didn't have any problems with getting three here, getting three there. And with the type of defense they play, the type of offense they run, um, I'm pretty sure they're probably one of the slower tempos uh, in the ACC and in the nation, but they would make you – they would force you into some ugly games. Like uh, Syracuse, they won 21-10. to 10. Louisville, they won 23-20. to 20. Um, let's see the other games, like, uh, even the Miami game, they only, they held Miami to 31. Um, we just hyped up, um, Boston college. They held them to 30 and they had to go into OT to get that. Uh, so it's just one of those, those like teams <laughs> that they just play an ugly style of football. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Pickett is, is a solid quarterback. He's solid. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. He's he, him. And, uh, what's the, what's the running back name? Abba. Uh, the running Abinicada, back, Ada Nakata. I don't even see him on the list. Did he leave? I don't see him. He lost either. No, I don't know where he's at. But, um, 
the the running backs that they got on my list on their depth chart is Vincent Davis and AJ Davis Jr. Um, but Israel Abenikanda. Yeah. Oh, he's a freshman. So maybe I don't know. Maybe that's what I don't know. I was gonna say if I saw, I would have seen that. That crazy. I would have been looking to pronounce that. <laughs> I actually do see him on here though. He had uh, 28 attempts and um, 95 yards. So he's probably just lower on the depth chart. Yeah. That's all. But um. The, the thing about them is, is that they're going to play spoiler on a lot of teams that are visiting them uh, for sure. Yeah, they host North Carolina, yep. Miami, and Clemson. <laughs> yep. So, so I mean, it's you you better you better bring your A game. They, they you think they can steal one sure. of those games? If, if they had to steal one of those, who do you think the most likely person is, Miami? No, it, I think it would be North Carolina because it's North really? Carolina. Really? It's November 11th. It's going to be it's cold. cold. Yep. It's and, it, and it's probably going to be a night game. Or, or yeah, fact, sure. Let me check when November the 11th is because it sounds like a funky date. It might. I think that might be on a Saturday, though. If it's a Thursday night game, then I, I 100% would be back in the <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a Thursday night game. See, oh, yeah. it's one of those. <laughs> yeah, so that's going oh, to oh, be. I'm gonna put that. That's going to be a game. To yeah, watch. that's going to be a that's going to be a tricky, tricky game, man. You're gonna it's going to be cold, and it's the middle of the week. Those are typically the trap games for these. And you know, like you teams. said, if Pitt is at least solid, it's going to be a big game for them. It's going to be a prime time night game. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to be one of those big time Thursday Thursday night battles, but. Pitt, like you're right. I mean, they have had the defense to be competitive, right? And they've actually had a defense to be really good in the ACC. It's just that they just lack the ability to put up points. Like, I mean, Pickett is good, but like you said, it was like, I mean, scheme is built to be RPO-based, move the ball, and get points. It's not be able to get vertical and score touchdowns. It is – you know what, Michigan State, when we get a chance to get three, we're going to get three. We're going to try to take our shots here and there. It's a very methodical style of football. Mm-hmm. But with that comes, it's like, man, if you're getting three and out and Trevor Lawrence going for eight, eight place, 65-yard <laughs> drives, what difference does it matter? You yeah. know, like how good that defense is because you're just going to you're just gonna get overwhelmed by the sheer amount of plays that they're going to run. You're right. It's like. They are one of those teams that are gonna if they can do a if they could do more of a Michigan State like making you play their style. One thing I would say about Michigan State when Narduzzi was there when it was good, and it was like they made you play their style. They made you get ugly. Pitt, I don't mm-hmm. think they really make teams play a ugly game or play what they want. But I, I mean, I don't know. I think if they could beat no, yeah, North Carolina. Maybe they could get North Carolina and Miami. Maybe Pitt might be the sleeper in the uh, coastal. It, I mean, they could very well be. And Jamal had mentioned that um, in his notes that he sent me that they could very well be a sleeper. Uh, just some numbers on the defense again. So you guys don't think we're making this up. Panthers led the nation with twenty two point four percent havoc rate last season. Yes, they do calculate havoc in uh, college football. Uh, that means Pitt forced a fumble, interception, or had a tackle for a loss or a pass breakup on a combined 171 of 765 defensive snaps. That is incredible. Uh, the Panthers racked up 111 tackles for a loss in 2020, which led the nation. Uh, Pitt also recorded a tackle for a loss on 14.5% of his overall defensive snaps and 19% of their runs so you might as well say they still got aaron donald out there uh, i mean that's that's like again, right, yeah. impressive behind the line of the scrimmage the most impressive stat 
about this defense last year and something that I will definitely be keeping an eye on. Pitt allowed an average of three points a game in the fourth quarter last year. Just the fourth quarter, they only allowed three points. That's insane. That's insane. So if they do find themselves in in um in a position where they are leading games towards like the end of a game or something like that, if you gotta score to win, essentially like a last drive or something like that, yeah, it's a safe bet to say that this team will be ready. Yeah. Um, you don't want to get behind on them. I think that makes them dangerous. And when you talk about teams who have this style of football where they lean on their defense, it always comes down to can the offense protect the ball. So if the offense don't give give anything away, you got to work for it. Um, you can say Pitt's probably going to be in most of their games. So um, it, interesting team that I would mark as the sleeper for the Coastal Division. Um, but honestly, to, to surpass both North Carolina and Miami, we'd be asking yeah, a that's, lot. Yeah, that's a lot. But, but tricking up one of them is not asking it's a not lot at all. Asking <laughs> so I definitely, like I said, mark your calendars for that um November date when they and especially take on, from a gambling no go ahead yeah I was gonna say when they take on North Carolina midweek I would love to see the line on that because Pitt is from a gambling perspective you know like starting in the season you got to kind of readjust like when you start to get into the middle of the season you find teams with good value man Pitt could be one of those teams you know it's always like you got to kind of find that team that like you say, get some seniors that could get hot, that doesn't turn the ball over, you know, get a few turnovers and things kind of go their way. And if this year a couple of those three-pointers, those field goals mm-hmm. turn into sevens, like you say, it could maybe they could sneak up on a Miami or North Carolina. So, Yeah, um, and that's what we're looking for as gamblers, which when we do our uh, gambling podcast towards the end of this uh, month, We'll, we'll definitely be highlighting these uh, <clears throat> these positions where we consider it to be a trap game. Uh, we made a pretty good amount of money on games like that last year, actually, um, and just basing it off the lines. So we were going to wrap up with Virginia Tech, but Marcus pointed out something. Slow that I don't think a lot of people Slow know. <laughs> Go ahead I, and tell them, Marcus. I talked about this earlier, but I don't know if it's the local Atlanta gas that they're receiving. Oh, here we go. Or maybe it's just me and I'm jumping the gun too fast. But I think Georgia Tech, the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech, is a team that is worth keeping your eye on. Like Jeff Collins in his third year, and he's doing a really, really good job of raising the profile of Georgia Tech, like on the field and in recruiting. So he if people don't know, he has Jeff Sims, that quarterback, who was a former Florida State commit, top 100 recruit from I think, you know, the Lakeland, Florida area. And he reminds me of Robert Griffin, like that very lanky, tall, 6'3", 6'4", frame. Just, if you remember watching RG3 when Baylor first became really good, Art Browns, I was like, man, who does lanky do? He just looks so undeveloped, but he was so good at the same time. It's like, when I watch Jeff Sims, that's how I see him. And it's like, the schedule's a little unforgiving. They get Clemson, they get UGA and Notre Dame. And if they could upset one of those, maybe. I don't think one of those guys would get it. But I think if Jeff Sims can get hot, they got Jameer Gibbs, who was someone that Ohio State was really, really after, that Georgia became – they got after really late. He was a guy that Georgia Tech really got in early on. And I think 
rebuilding a program, and Georgia Tech wasn't horrible under Paul Johnson, right? When the triple option, but to build a program from that into what is needed to be really competitive in today's football, like it takes a lot. You got to be because option based teams are very small and they're quick, and it's like you had linemen that was six foot two eighty. Like that's just not going to fly, like it, it, in the upper echelon of any conference. So he's rebuilding the rosters on both sides of the line, and that's somebody I want to keep the eye on. I actually had them. I put, wrote my listings. I had them over the Chokies. I, I mean Hokies. Excuse me. I uh, I had them number four over Chase's boys. So. I might be a little crazy. And I might be. <laughs> Listen, I, I, we got that Marcus tripping button is going to be well on. <laughs> and look, I was going to say, look, no, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you rock, man, because I say some wild stuff too, and I appreciate that. Um, Rambling wreck of Georgia Tech. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, hold on, hold on. Let's see what Ben say. So yeah, even Ben's on board. So that should Ben's agreeing with me. Oh yeah, shit! That should let you know you're tripping. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> yeah, that way. But nah, um, I would let you rock with the Georgia Tech thing, man. I don't have much on them. I swear to you, I didn't even research him. I just just didn't make the cut for me, man. But, it's gonna be okay. Like I like yeah. I said, it's like when I see if you watch, if you get a chance though to watch Georgia Tech, watch Jeff Sims, and I think if you watch him, you're gonna be like, huh. Maybe not this year, but next year, I think when he's a junior or maybe a redshirt senior, sophomore, due to the COVID, I don't know how they're going to whatever do that. But I think you're going to see somebody that's like, you're going to start to hear Todd McShay, Nell Kuyper, and all these people go, somebody, you know, it always happens. Like, they always talk about a player that's worth keeping your eye on, and then they blow up. I think he could be that dude to where, to really get Georgia Tech, not saying they're going to really challenge or compete for you know, a ACC title while he's there. But I think I could see Georgia Tech being an eight-win program. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they're in the most fertile recruiting mm-hmm. ground, I if think, they, in, they, in the Atlanta metro area. And it's like, I'm, I'm telling you if right you now, can keep a if Georgia of Tech, home, you can do some things. If Georgia Tech wins eight games, you can make a killing because they're right now projected at five four wins. Four and a half. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, it's low. So if they, could, if they could double that, man, what? You are making a killing. One, um, two, three, Cancun. <laughs> right? Straight up. You you know what? I ain't gonna even go there. I ain't gonna go there. But um there was a another thing that we had talked about, and, and I was going to we were gonna wrap it up with Virginia Tech, but as Marcus pointed out before the show, the Virginia Cavaliers are the defending coastal division champions. And I know people probably like what? Yep, they we didn't have a we didn't have a we didn't have anybody claim that last year. So they are the defending champions. So we got to put them in the show. I, I don't yeah. know why. It's unfortunate. Why? 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 Who? Why? So they are they are projected on here as as a six win team. I'm not sure if that's accurate. Bron- Bronco and I have a love hate relationship. Um, oh, I, I see the good in Bronco sometimes, and then because I, I work out of Charlottesville, I see the bad a lot too. <laughs> um, and, and it typically comes in the form of emails where people are giving away tickets to games. <laughs> yeah. They, they be giving away UVA. They, tickets, they be bro. giving out UV. They be giving away UVA tickets a lot. Um, and and like so last year, uh, if if they had fans at the stadium, that four week span where they were losing. I would have gotten 
plenty of emails. <laughs> uh, and that's how it goes. Like they'll 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 have a month span where people are giving away tickets, and then they'll have a month span where people are like, "Yo, can you get that ticket back?" So um, <laughs> consistency, consistency is the name of the game for the okay. for the Cavaliers. If we're talking about in-state rivalry between them and Tech, I'm not a big fan of, of Fuente at all. Like, I just yeah, Fuente is. Uh, I, I hate trophies. I don't even call him the yeah, trophies. No I more, hate Frank then, uh, Beamer, but I would rather have Frank Beamer back than what I'm seeing right now. So, the thing about UVA, I think. Bronco was at the position to where it's like he started off early with Bryce Perkins and even he had some some really good recruiting classes his first year. Like this is because this is his what? Let's see. Six year here. Like his first couple yeah. classes was all right. And he went five and five last year. And I think people just expected him to get UVA to like a Northwestern type. Well, maybe not quite Northwestern, but to a place to where. They could be a seven, eight win program, just making bowls. You know, you won a bowl game. Anything better than that, you settle for it, you know. But he's got an interesting rebuild, man. I think being the coastal champ, you know, coastal division champions, you come with a target on your head, man. Everybody wanna come, you know, play in sleepy ass Scott Stadium mm-hmm. on a sad, you know, a fall Saturday in Charlottesville. So I I don't, I don't know, man. I think they could be a bold caliber team. I'm looking at their William & Mary, Illinois. Uh, I don't know. Those are two whatever games. North Carolina's a loss. Wake Forest probably a loss. They got a solid – they add BYU, they add Notre Dame. <laughs> this schedule's actually kind of hard. William & Mary, Illinois, North Carolina, Wake, Miami, Louisville, Duke, Georgia Tech, BYU, Notre Dame, Pitt, and Virginia Tech. And I'm like, damn, I don't see a game on there where UVA would be favored in one game. Other than William and Mary, and maybe Illinois, and honestly, the, the numbers aren't that they don't look that good for um, for yeah, UVA. Give me some tickets, man. If I get some free UVA tickets when I'm home, send them my way. I would go watch them bums get beat up. So, I um, I agree. Um, Brendan Armstrong is the he's player all right, to watch. yeah, yeah he's, the, he's the play, he's the player to watch for um, for the Cavs. Uh, but here's the here's the thing about. Like when we're talking about Virginia Tech, here's the thing that worries me. Uh, last year, Virginia Tech allowed 29 receptions of 30 yards or more. Um, that rank that, that's a rate of 8.2 percent, which ranked last in the ACC and in the, in the 123rd nationally. When you we talk a lot about offensive explosiveness, well, there's a counter to that called defensive explosiveness. So if the number's really high, then that means your defense really sucks. I'm gonna tell you right now, UVA ranked. 101 really last year. <laughs> so so let's what's that let's, rank it really yeah, sucks. Let's let's, let's uh really let's understand, like you know, and we're talking about these a lot of these players are still kids, they're gonna they're gonna transition, they're gonna learn, they're gonna grow, which you anticipate mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, the defense is returning seven starters, but there's a lot of ground to make up when you're talking about um just how woeful UVA was, even on the offensive side, Virginia's offense was tackled behind the line of scrimmage. 42 times across 745 snaps on an average of 5.6%. That led the ACC and ranked number 10 overall nationally. Uh, the Cavaliers were tackled for a loss on 6% of, of their uh, remaining plays, which ranked number eight. <laughs> so essentially, they don't have an offensive yeah, line either, which again, they they're, re- they're, returning, they're returning three seniors 
on that <laughs> offensive line. You would hope that they get better, but I'm just saying it, it doesn't necessarily always work that way. Thomas Jefferson rolling over in his grave. Man. Opponents converted five of 15 fourth down opportunities um, against the defense, which I'm not even going to finish reading that because that don't matter. They're not going to get the fourth downs if, if they're – sitting here just running through the team. <laughs> so right, um, right. Th- there is a lot of work to be done on paper, or at least what people anticipate from these Cavaliers. But again, I have faith in Bronco as a coach. Again, we, we do the up and down hit or miss, but overall um, he establishes some consistency. It's just typically either a month of losing before or after. So we just need to, we just need to get it done. And I can tell you right now, that game that they go on on um the day before Halloween, actually, October 30th at BYU will be live. Spicy. It's gonna be spicy. Will be live. Good good thing he didn't go down there last year. He would have got waxed. You <laughs> 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 might have a little chance this year, but uh so I wonder, I wonder if they meant to do that. Is it safe to say Liberty is the best program and or JMU? Liberty and JMU are the best programs in the state of Virginia because we just saw Virginia Tech in the 27-year bowl streak last year. And Virginia Tech had been a program that's been a model of consistency, obviously, just by based on that. But mm-hmm. like you say, I don't know about Fuentes, man. Like, I don't know if Justin got enough to really you know, Virginia Tech kind of needs somebody like Jeff Halfley. Like, that's would have been a fit that I think would have really, really been good for them. But I was so surprised. I was like, why don't y'all even interview him? Like, Justin Fuentes is disposable. But they do get eight starters back, I think, on offense and seven on defense or something. But I'm like, what's it, Burnmeister? Burnmeister at quarterback. He was okay. But, I mean, the last couple of years, just watching Virginia Tech, it just feel like, eh, I mean – they're going to be better. I mean, I expect them to probably be bowl eligible and Chase can be Chase again. And, <laughs> you know, the world will Too be huge. all right. <laughs> and, you know, the Hokies can at least get back to a bowl game. But looking at both those teams, I'm just like, damn, man, I get nostalgic because I think about Virginia Tech and just they're another program where I'm like, man, I never thought I would see Virginia Tech may get beat up up front, but I never thought I'd see a place where Virginia Tech would be out-athleted. I know that's not a word, but just to see so many, I mean, Xavier, DB, I mean, Macho, I mean, they just always had, I mean, Macho might not be a great example, but they've just had so many. Macho was an athlete, though. Yeah, he was an athlete, yeah. right? Like, I mean, he had, I mean, just so many people that Bud Foster and those guys had, and it's like, Man, what the hell happened to that? That literally seems that is a lifetime ago. And to see UVA has had some solid man, Amar Brooks, the Brickishaw Ferguson. I mean, Chris Long. They don't even have NFL caliber players anymore. Well, I, I can never... tell you, my personal opinion is Fuente is a goof, and people can see that. Like yeah, the I mean... one thing I hate about him uh, or his tenure at Virginia Tech is he doesn't have an identity. I would love for somebody to tell me what do the Hokies do well when the Hokies had Frank Beamer, it was special teams defense. And then they had that run where they got Michael Vick and, and, and Randall. they had some offense, but you knew that they were going to run the ball and, and make some, some solid decisions in the passing game, keep it simple. But primarily they were a grind out team, the lunch pill team, you know, like they, yep. they built that persona. I don't know who the Hokies are anymore. I don't know what they do. Well, I don't know what they want to do. Well, Nothing. there's some games, they had one of the better running backs in the nation last year, 
and they would just wouldn't run them consistently. And then they would wait until they get down about two, three touchdowns, and then they want to try to establish the run. It's like it's too late now. It's like they're working backwards. Um, it's no rhyme or reason, and I don't know if it's because Fuente I, – I hate to think that a guy would get a job like this and he literally doesn't know how to coach in-game. And I've seen I, and I've seen him do it, though. Like, I, I don't understand what the hell happened. Yeah, there. I don't know what's up with him. Then he had two of his quarterbacks transfer last year. Yeah. Hooker and yeah, I forgot the other guy's name, but and then I think about it, it's like if he if he stinks to join up again this year, I think he's out of there. And I don't know if Luke Fickle will take a job. I think Luke Fickle might be thinking a little bigger than Virginia Tech. So I, I was just thinking about like, man, if they could get like Luke Fickle to come in there, that would be nice. But I was like, damn, man, I don't even know if Luke Fickle would look at Virginia Tech anymore. You know, 10 years ago, you're like, hell yeah, that's a that's a job I want to be at. It's attractive. You know, they put a lot of money into the facilities. It's a, in a fertile recruiting ground. But now it's like, damn, this is such a rebuilding job. Cincinnati's a better program, right? And it's just like, damn, oh, yeah, I don't I know. Would, if I was Fickle, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave uh, Cincinnati for Virginia, for, Tech, yeah. for Virginia Tech. No, because – because honestly, uh, Fickle and my guy from uh, Louisiana Lafayette, like they're gonna get, they're gonna get looks from bigger. Yeah, they're gonna get tour. Yeah. USC. It's gonna. I think USC is gonna be open in a year or two. Yeah. eventually, it's, it's gonna be some way bigger programs. You're right. But. Yeah. So, um, but I tell you, if Fickle comes in, he he's gonna take back Virginia, or at least try to, and and that's one of the things that I think Fuente has struggled with is that he just doesn't have the pulse of the seven five seven, which was a pipeline. For um for Virginia Tech and that athlete like Richmond and the seven five seven because I think sometimes we discount Richmond's uh, contribution to Virginia Tech as well, um, <laughs> but the Hokies the Hokies they don't want to spend money first of all yeah they've been a little conservative you yeah, gotta spend, they, man. they don't want to spend money and um what's the NIL attraction to Blacksburg just saying None. just None. saying. So, and the thing like, is, it's like, man, I'm not gonna come there and we bad too. It's like, damn, I don't get no money and we're bad. Like, at least UCLA is somewhere. It's like I can live in LA and just be bad, you know. Yeah. Go to a good place. It's like, damn, I gotta move to Blacksburg, Virginia. Suck. And my bag ain't gonna be cool. You know that mean <laughs> when that, that kid he throw the deuce and he vanishes. That's how. Yeah. I <laughs> so, final predictions. Final predictions. Um, Atlantic Division. Give me your your top two teams. My Atlantic man. I'm gonna go Clemson and BC. Those will be my top two teams in the Atlantic. All right. I'm gonna go with Clemson and Boston College as well. I mean, I know it's kind of cliche, but I'm high on. I mean, they're probably two just best teams. Yeah, and and in the division. <laughs> and then Coastal, I think we both going to have UNC and Miami. Yeah, yeah, UNC yeah. and Miami. Uh, your dark horse for the entire conference. Would Miami be considered a dark horse, though? But I guess if no. I really had to, I would say BC. I think BC has enough explosive athletes. You got Jalen Gill. You got Zay Flowers. Now you got Jerkovich playing. I think he probably has what? He would be the third best quarterback in the conference between – Howell and DJ, mm-hmm. and you got a coach like Halfley, who you, as you admitted, it's like if you watch him coach, he coaches to win football games, and 
they got some swag back. They got new Adidas uniforms. They left those ugly ass Under Armour in the past. It's just they got a lot of good energy, you know what I mean, around the program. And it's like, I think if somebody could really get hot, and the schedule is favorable too. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no Miami, no North Carolina, and all you got is NC State. I mean, if you can manage that schedule, maybe Boston College late in the year, you could be looking at eight and no, you know, and hosting NC State for to win it all and to be able to. To play for Clemson, or maybe you know that's not a bad year. If you BC, so what you don't beat Clemson and get to the ACC title game, but to go ten and one, you know that's a really really good year for someone like BC. Yeah, I want to take Boston College too because uh, of Halfley. Um, I'm I'm high on him. I think he he really might be the next big thing as far as coaching goes. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be out of Boston College in a couple of years. Like somebody, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, somebody's going to scoop him. Um, but what did Ben say? Whatever Ben said, I'm going to obviously. Yeah, he, well, he said he said this uh, season the real blue bloods will all make a comeback. I'm going to disagree, and, and I'm not going to try to drag the show out. But, I mean, I think you remember like probably like four or five years ago I said something about like, you know, the, the idea of the blue bloods is, tr is transitioning because yeah, kids are seeing other teams win. Like nobody, nope. We the only people, our generation remembers Michigan when they were good. Yeah, but like, sure. but like my, my cousin, my cousin's 15, 16, and he's playing football. If you ask him who his top schools is that he want to go to Michigan, ain't even on the list, you know, and, and they were a traditional blue blood, you know, didn't they lose um, to upstate? Yeah, that's like that would be what he would say. Like, so, so that's not the most memorable thing that's happened yeah, to them. I think the NIL will help some blue bloods, but I think it's going to take a couple seasons. Um, and then and yeah, then we're going to see um, we're going to see people um, get restricted first because the NIL is going to go too far, and then they're going to pull it back. But we're I think we're going to see a new set of blue bloods rising. Uh, with, with Clemson probably becoming one of the new blue bloods, obviously, um, and then. Um, we're going to see, you know, the Ohio States, the Bamas and the Georgias, but then there's going to be some other opportunities. And I know you don't want to hear this, but the Aggies could be one of those teams that might rise up to, uh, to be one of the Oregon has the, the opportunity to, to sneak in there. I think if yeah. they could consistently put a, a print on the Pac-12, right? Because I don't think SC going to be down forever, but I think in the next three years, if Oregon can win three Pac-12 titles, get to two playoffs, you know, that could really change the perception of the Pac-12. Even if they lose those games in the playoffs, you just got to get there. Even if you lose yeah. so well, you got to get there. You're right. Yeah, and, and ultimately, I think what we've always known as fans is that college football is a business, but the business now is not only winning, but looking good looking as well. Good. Um, and and basically um, trying to to get these kids' attention um, off the field in ways that before you had to be kind of hush hush about. Now it's like, nah, we throwing money at you. We we gonna do we gonna do what Miami did and, and create a fund to uh, to get NLL like sponsors. Like that kind of mentality is gonna take the forefront. Now. They driving yeah. on Hellcats, so, man. They driving so, on Ferraris now. That ain't nothing. Yeah, so when 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 the dust settles, I really think we need we'll we'll have some some different looks to what we grew up thinking was yeah, a blue sure. blood, what we knew as a blue blood. But we can get into that later in the season. Uh, we did the ACC preview. Obviously, we dragged it out a little bit, but I think some of that is just to build up to us trying to tell you where the value is yeah. with some of these future lines. Um, the ACC will have some value, 
uh, in the in the spread. Probably not on some money line upsets, but definitely in the spread. Uh, so we will be back next week. I'll put it in the group, see if we can pick between Pac-12, SEC, and uh, Big Ten. I know you can't wait for the Big Ten. Uh, we'll probably have contributors when we do the Big Ten. Right, right. Uh, but, um, yeah, so see you guys next week. Uh, continue week. to support the brand. We've got the You Got a Minute Fan Podcast, Team Dur- Turnbuckle Podcast. I got my account back, so hopefully <laughs> I, can, I can start the NFL show as well. So, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in. Peace. All right.